and here they are, the most pulsatingly puzzling patronizing podcasters ever to spin their wheels in the zany races, competing for the title of the world's most zaniest racer. Each podcast has created its own car in hopes of winning the title. Cars are approaching the starting line. First up, representing breaking the panel, is the pure white rainbow, driven by Paul the Soapbox Klotz. Travis Jones, the Blazing Defender, in the Puss Wagon. Maneuvering for more airtime is the Princess Chris Wisdom in the Sandy Shoveler. Right behind is the Geek versus crew of Casey Betty Tony in a 1996 Chevy Tahoe, so as not to be predictable and stereotypical as the rest of the drivers. And there's the blunders from Down Unders. Toy Power, driving what appears to be a 1969 pink rear-loading beach bomb, Hot Wheels. Still in the plastic case. Gonna be tough to drive without making contact with the road, but they'll figure it out. Oh, and here comes the lovely Kurt, representing FTH Beyond in the Waste of time. He's the Mick with the big dick of the shifting stick. Next we have the Pokemon Go podcast, represented by the mightiest manly Mormon, Joe, driving the unknown, a car made of Pokeballs and random mutilated Pokemon. They don't feel it, so it's okay. And here comes the Bash podcast boys, driving the Peps Blue Balls wagon. Oh, wait. But never mind, they've been pulled over for a DUI. Lastly, as always, bringing up the rear is the self-proclaimed rock out of podcasting, who has already proclaimed himself the victor, holding an invisible trophy while holding a make-believe press conference with who I can only assume are the fake news inhabiting his apparent schizophrenia. And away they go! Head on over to www.giantsizeteamup.com to root for your favorite zany racer! Oh god, now Charles is popping invisible bottles of champagne and making out with himself. Can we please get him medicated or institutionalized? Completely unprofessional. Hello and welcome to yet another Rock Deity-less breaking the panel that means i get to do the intro and i'll do it my way i am of course your resident mouthy nerd soapbox gstu also known as paul klotz i am joined today by my partner in crime the one who the only one other than myself who shows up for work every wednesday mr philip keating oh my god paul (sighs) they say that Time makes the heart grow fonder. I'm going to disagree. This is great. This is two weeks in a row. You know, as a sportsman, I'm going for a hat trick now. You know, I, I, I got two in, my, two in my pocket. I got one more to go. There's still 20 minutes left on the clock. If we can go three weeks without this son of a bitch, I will be so happy. So hey, it's, it's good to be here. What you're saying is you're going to pay Scott Moore from Blood Crow Stories to Nancy, Nancy Kerrigan. Him, yeah. right, in the fucking, <laughs> right in the dick. <laughs> and, of course, filling Charles' seat, uh, we got one of our fucking scabs, as, as Charles puts it. Uh, none other than Kurt. Now I feel, don't feel so bad for kneecapping him. Yeah, Exactly. Oh, that's right. He's got a bad knee. <laughs> Go for his knee. That's right. <laughs> Why? Why? Thank you for uh, for filling in for. Uh, uh, to be fair, now uh, Charles had planned to, to be, be fair. Here. To be fair, uh, Charles had planned to be here this week, but uh, somebody got injured at his day job, and so he had to teach a class. And they teach EMT skills, so I guess it's kind of important that he he fulfills that function in society. That, that's they, what they call a pop quiz. Yeah. <laughs> they've got EMTs down there in the south. Yeah, well, yeah, they don't just you know put people on a wagon and 
I thought they just brought him at back and shot him. Anyways, we got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, a whole bunch. So it's funny because last week we started the show and we're like, it's a light news week and we're not going to have a lot to talk about. It might be a short show. We talked for over two hours. Uh, of course, we were joined by Tank. Uh, we were supposed to be joined by Houdini from Nerds from Work this week, but it didn't work out. So hopefully we'll reschedule him. Uh, next week, we are supposed to expect Nuru from Nerds from Work. So hopefully that will work out. Uh, you can look forward to that if you're a Nerds from Work fan. Thank you for stopping back in. But let's get into our topics. Uh, first one we got here is the big news of the week, I think, above all else, for comic nerds who are chomping at the bit, is Avengers Endgame pre-sales, crashing ticket sites, breaking records in six hours, just millions of dollars in lockdown tickets. Now, have, have any of you guys heard any actual numbers? Because every, t- every place I looked said no numbers were released. My understanding is a lot of places just flat sold out. Like, for at least for the first couple of days. Yeah, I went to a couple theaters here. And granted, I'm in New Hampshire. Um, but I went to a couple theaters here to check. And there were still seats available. The, the theaters were mostly about half to three quarters filled. I, I imagine the places that are selling out are like your major metros. Like oh, sure, sure. New York Cities, your Atlanta, stuff like that. Your big theaters. Uh, you know, it, it's it, – well, like my local theater, actually, um, I'm not sure if they've sold out yet or not because they are remodeling right now. And um, they're remodeling from a traditional seating structure to like the stadium seating to Re- – Recliners? All recliners. Nice. All the time. And so now we have assigned seating, which is nice. Um not always nice, but well, yeah, but it drastically cuts down on the number of um, seats that are available in each theater. Uh, I did it in my local theater chain is Marquis Cinema. If anybody's familiar, uh, I did get to go see us this week with the Marquis Extreme Experience or something like that. It's called, I forget exactly what the name for it is, uh, but it's like their, you know, THX sound, all that kind of stuff. Like it's, supposed to have better picture and audio quality that was kind of interesting i don't think it was worth the extra like four dollars a ticket but it is what it was i'm pro and against assigned seatings yeah um yeah i really am because the last movie that we went to the theater for captain marvel we went to a 10 a.m viewing Mm -hmm. at the local regal cinema in downingtown pennsylvania they had two seats left which were the handicapped seats so if we uh, had somebody who needed them, we had to obviously give them the seats that we, we purchased. And that was the risk that we were going to take. Um, when the movie started, we were the only two people in there. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole theater was sold out. So I was like, come on, we could just, you know, we have a whole theater. But, uh, you know, I, I knew that as soon as we went and sat in one of the other 200 seats in the theater that those people, those exact people would show up. (laughs) So that's why I'm a little bit, you know, like, uh, come on, man, like kind of dumb, but I mean, that's on me, I guess, for for being a a white knight and didn't want to take someone else's seat. But um, have you guys both procured your tickets for uh, Avengers? You both have? I have not. I I actually didn't because um, I normally will go to the movie with my wife and my wife when we go to the movies is in a wheelchair. So uh, we do the handicap seating at our local AMC theater because we have a we have a better theater, but they put all the handicap seating up front, 
So you're like yeah. right up against the screen, which is bullshit. Um, but, but it's like the best place that they can put people because there's no ramp. Uh, it's all stairs. So at the AMC, it's all ramped and the, and the handicapped seats are in the back. Nice. And they're way better. Um, and they give you a companion seat, which is a companion recliner, as well as a slot for the, for the wheelchair. Yeah. And it's, it's awesome. I looked there, none of the handicapped seats were sold. And, and I've done, like, I went and saw Captain Marvel bought the tickets two days before and it wasn't a problem. Yeah, well, you know how busy Gettysburg is. It's one of those major metropolitan areas that Paul was talking about. So when I saw that these tickets were flying off the shelf, I shit myself. And I said, I don't want to be the only scum on this network who hasn't procured their tickets since they live in one of those major metropolitan areas. So I sent my show wife, Dennis, after work down to the local RC theater uh, to, to get our tickets. And I, I am happy to announce on stream that I have procured my tickets uh, for me, Suzanne and Dennis, because, you know, well, wouldn't uh, you? <laughs> but he said, you know, uh, look at me. they looked at me like I was fucking crazy picking up tickets three weeks before a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how many people are in Gettysburg? Um, Two. Well, yeah, 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 there's about four or five. Yeah. I, well, no, here's the thing. Okay, so um, in, in big movies in the past, um, the, the show that we normally hit, the 7 o'clock on a Thursday, it does sell out, but we normally are able to get to the theater early enough to pick up tickets. Uh, we were able to do that with Force Awakens and um, Infinity War. But I don't know. This movie now, to me, has a bigger hype behind it than infinity war it's oh just yeah because it's the capstone right so you know i'd rather just be safe and sorry and if he's gonna do the work i love you dennis but i'm not doing the work you are so you know i, I if he's gonna get them three weeks in advance that's fine mm-hmm. i'll probably buy mine this weekend just because also like suzanne as most of our listeners know me and suzanne go sunday right I normally go with Dennis on Thursday and then there's that grueling period where I don't talk to my wife until I get to take her to go see the movie. And then this time she's like, no, I'm taking off work so that this isn't an issue. So I didn't want it. I didn't want it to be like we get to the theater and then it's just like, oh yeah, we ain't got tickets. And the next showings at 10 o'clock. Yeah. I don't want that. So, but I got my tickets. So I'm happy. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. I'll probably we'll probably grab ours soon. Uh, the I, the issue is I don't know if I'm going to go Thursday or over the weekend kind of thing. But uh, I just I am addicted to social media and I can't <laughs> I can't I can't go anytime except Thursday. It's going to so, be ugly. It's going to be ugly right yeah. that, right after that that initial showing. Yeah, I might have to be off the internet for a couple of days. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't. Uh, speaking of box office sales, though. Captain Marvel has soared past one billion. Damn. Yep. Now the thirty-eighth movie in history to do so, and it is the seventh Marvel Studios movie to to make this number, uh, which includes uh, Infinity War, which broke two billion, Avengers, which was one point five, Avengers: Age of Ultron, which was one point four, Black Panther, one point three. Iron Man 3, 1.2, and Captain America Civil War, 1.15. So, exciting stuff. So, Infinity War hit 2, 2 billion? Is that what you said? Yes, worldwide. 
Shit. Uh, so I I was gonna gonna say Endgame might be the first one to hit two billion. I didn't realize Infinity War had done that already. So I think Endgame will probably do the same, if not more. I was gonna say it's, it feels like more. It just it's got that vibe. I, I feel like anybody who held out and didn't see Infinity War in the theater because they knew it would essentially be a two parter is definitely gonna show up for Endgame in the theater. Like I don't, I cannot anticipate a reality where you don't go see this in the theater. Is anybody doing a double feature? I'm sure there are going to be a lot. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'd, I'd completely do that. That's, a, that's a <laughs> quite a haul, though, because it's a three-hour movie, right? Like, right, right. Endgame's going to be a three-hour movie, and Infinity War was not short. It was well right. over two hours. So um, then again, you know. It's well, an uh, event. Yeah, I think it's AMC is doing a 59-hour all of the MCU marathon at some point, too, which is a thing. Um, and, of course, back when Lord of the Rings was a thing, they were doing the extended editions and stuff. Right. Uh, full trilogy showings and whatnot. Yeah. So out of the 38 movies that have hit 1 billion, if my calculations are correct, 19 of them are Disney properties owned by Disney. Wow. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, uh, not much to unpack there. Just basically noting that Captain Marvel is crushing it doing very well definitely surpassed wonder woman Uh, a lot of people like to compare the two films and you know well marvel keeps doing what marvel do and crushes the numbers speaking of positive reception to films though kurt you brought this to the table so you can expand on it but shazam is getting a 93 percent of rotten tomatoes right now i i am really looking forward to this one and i think it's going to kind of turn some things around for DC, or at least I hope so. Um, I think they started it a little bit with uh, Aquaman, frankly. Mm -hmm. Aquaman was a lighter film. Uh, It didn't do the whole grim and gritty, everything's got to be dark so you can't see it on screen uh, type of film. And I thought that that was really good. Uh, But Shazam feels just light and fun. And I think you're going to find that people are going to dig that. And frankly, Zach Levi, come on. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's awesome. So uh, it's 93% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. It'll be really interesting to see where that lands by the end of the weekend. Um, I'm going. I, I'm going. I've been looking forward to this movie for, for a while now uh, because I want to support the fun. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. I, you know, it, it officially comes out the 5th. We're recording on the 3rd. Um, I would like to see it. Um, however, I am going to wait because resident mod Nicole is coming to visit and she wants to see it. So, she oh, sure. Wait. So I'm going to have to like keep my head in the sand for like a week <laughs> until I can go see it. But yeah, it seems like it's going to be really fun. Yeah. Now that 93% is just, it's critics consensus, obviously. And they don't have, I guess is Rotten Tomatoes doing a, basically a moratorium on any audience scores yes. that have seen it. Cause I, I also heard from a couple of people who had an early showing and they said it was, it was great. Yeah. Uh, so, well, so what's noteworthy here is Captain Marvel only has a 78%. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like that's 93% for a superhero movie is pretty shining. 
Uh, and that's 137 reviews counted currently for official critic reviews. Yep. And yes, they're blacking out the audience score until the movie actually releases, which I think is a smart move. I honestly think that is what they should do going forward forever, forever. Oh, they most certainly will. I agree. <clears throat> They've had too many problems with this not to, to continue this forward. But likewise, Kurt, I had a couple friends who have seen it. <clears throat> um, it's just, I know this is an echo chamber, but fun, uh, fantastic, whimsical, but also having heart when it needs to have heart not scared to have heart so no surprise no surprise there i really want to see it um it we're gonna see I, you know i'm gonna check my local theaters because i could drop the kid off at school on monday at 8 a.m and then find a theater <laughs> and let that lets out by noon so i can pick him up at noon so we'll see but certainly I'm, I'm excited i'm excited dc seems to be getting their their feet underneath them and if they can keep this momentum and keep uh, everything going the right direction. It's it's going to be an interesting couple years. The the DC thing has always puzzled me. Um, since I thought I thought they were going to have a major turnaround when they brought Jeff Johns in, mm-hmm. and and I still got the vibe that they didn't allow him to do what he needed to do. Oh, that's definitely why he left. Completely, yeah, he left. Yeah, and 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 I'm. It was infuriating. <laughs> Because <laughs> you know he's got the he's got the the ability to turn that around. So we talked about that before Chris left for deployment. Uh, and by the way, for folks who don't know, Chris is home, safe and sound. Uh, he will possibly return in a, in the very near future. But uh, you know, Chris has always said the phrase "In Johns We Trust." Yep. Because Jeff Johns has done such amazing things for DC Comics, and not not just comics. Like it's not like this is a man who's responsible for financial success for DC. This is a man who's responsible for incredible storytelling and really getting to the heart and the core of these characters and making them shine. And it is very clear that when he went to Warner Brothers to help with these films, they tied his hands. Yep. Because he left quickly. He's like, "Yeah, I'm leaving," and he started his own production company. Um, so it's like, they, they, like, they ferried him up the, the chain and they're like, Hey, we're going to bring you to the top. We're going to like make you the big dog. You're going to be the Kevin Feige of the DCEU. And no, he wasn't, he was right. retired. Um, I honestly, I think DC, DC has a chance to turn around here. I think trying not to necessarily have a fully connected universe is a smart play. It lets them fill gaps that Marvel just can't do right now because everything Marvel does is expected to be connected. Uh, yeah. So they can kind of just pivot and they can do their own thing. And you, we can get incredible one-off type things that are really solid. Like Aquaman, they're going to do a sequel, but like Aquaman was great. Aquaman was not a great movie. It was a great comic movie though. It was fun. Yeah. And it was, it was a blast. And it was like, I didn't, you know, much like uh, we all said that we didn't know we needed ceiling murder at the end of uh, force awakens. I didn't know that I needed underwater Lord of the Rings battles like I got out of Aquaman, and I did. The moment I saw it, I was like, "This I needed this in my life. I needed to see, like, giant crab people crushing Atlanteans, and, you know, and the trench just showing up. Uh, ugh, sorry, I'm still, I'm still skeeved out by the trench. The trench were done really well. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, it was solid. I, I, I think the, the the one thing I might take exception with is um, not having to have it interconnected. I, I, I think that, that it doesn't need to, I, I would go the opposite way. I would say that it, that it needs to be connected, just not overtly. It's not like you have to sure. go, Oh, by the way, 
that dude in Gotham is pissing me off, you know, just right. Well, no, but what I get what they're saying, but I also want to believe that, you know, we're going to have instance where one or two films are connected to each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Not, not, you know, with, with, with suicide squad being rebooted, we know we have Batman one coming out soon. There's another movie at the end of this year that's coming out. You know, it's hard to not, think that they're going to put a thin tether between all these Gotham stories that they have being told in the near future. But that's a good, that's a good approach though for now. No, I agree. I, yeah. I certainly agree. You know, I, I, I want them to, to have small tethers between the cities that should be tethered together, you know? Mm. So we'll see. I'm, Oh man, I'm just getting amped by what I'm seeing out of the DCU. Yeah. They're definitely turning it around, which is a good thing. And do in in other well yeah Doom, 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 Patrol. Doom Patrol is getting really uh, so good it's so I'm running good. out of semen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so is that good. a Batman joke? I don't know. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Doom. I mean, without going off on a tangent too too much, you know what Doom Patrol reminds me of? Guardians. Guardians. Of yep, absolutely. That's Guardians. Uh, well, now and, I and, really need to check it out. Well, well, only because Guardians was largely unknown, especially, well, yeah, especially this incarnation of Guardians. Mm-hmm. And, and then it came out of nowhere and people went, this is awesome. This is great. Well, and, and it, Doom Patrol was largely unknown by a lot of people. Sure. And is known for being weird. And they didn't go full Grant Morrison. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so it was accessible. Um, and it just is friggin' awesome. Yeah. Uh, in other comic news, Hellboy comes out in a couple weeks, mm. so I'm excited to see how that goes. Because having seen the most recent trailer for that, my initial opinion was not very positive. But then the most recent trailer and some of the um, I've been listening to a lot of Spotify lately, and I don't have premium, so I have to listen to their stupid ads. Uh, they've been plugging it on Spotify, and some of the quips sound pretty good. So hopefully, Hellboy will be good. I That's- think. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's that's next week. Yeah, that is literally next week. Holy shit! 12th, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that we were that close to Hellboy. I want to like that so much. Hellboy's score is not out on Rotten Tomatoes yet. Right. So that's fine. That's fine. We'll probably talk about it next week because it should be out by then. But yeah, no. I that's another thing that I'm. I'm. I like the character Hellboy. I like the the world, the setting, everything that they. You know what I mean? Oh um, yeah. It's got Ian McShane in it. I'm hoping it's great. And I think this is one of those movies for me personally that even if the score is low, yeah, I'm going to go see it anyway because yeah. I'm just going to make my own opinion. And if I come out of that saying, yeah, they were right, that's fine. But I'm not going to let a low score on Hellboy de- de- determine if I'm going to go see it or not. Well, you know, and the thing is, there's a fair amount of people who don't like the Guillermo, Tel- or, sorry, Guillermo del Toro movies. They just don't care for them or they think <laughs> they're a little too stylized. So... I really enjoyed those movies and I, and I was not a Hellboy comic reader. Uh, so it, any comics that I read came after I saw the movies. And I think the, the casting of, of at least the first film was so spot on. I mean, Ron Perlman, come on. Mm-hmm. Ron I mean, Perlman, John Hurt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Tambor, you know, like everybody was great in that movie. And of course, Doug Jones. Well, Doug Jones is great in everything he does. Yeah, I mean, he's done so many different creature characters, if you will, and they've all felt unique and different, even if there's some like connective thread between them. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he has a certain, you know, physical vibe. 
Uh, yeah, I, I, he's been great on Discovery. I yes. haven't watched the most recent season, but the first season he was – his character was my absolute favorite on Discovery. Most recent season's better. I've heard that it's even better, yeah. Doug it Jones is. plays all these different characters, but they all look alike. But they sort all of. have different personalities. <laughs> it's, it's fucking weird, man. He's, a, he's almost like Andy Serkis, except he doesn't, you know, he wears the costume instead of demo-capping it. He's well, often the, compared. Yeah. The other thing with Doug Jones, though, is when they interview him, his personality is so different from the characters he plays, too. It's true. It's very true. Yeah. It's, it's like he's very warm, and mo- a lot of the characters he plays are kind of cold. And yeah, very robotic and, and have yep. no heart. <laughs> or three. Or three. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of DC films, a hot trailer hit today. Oh, all over my face. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about this last week a little bit because we found out that it's definitely an origin story. Das Joker. I uh, wish it was called Das Joker. <laughs> <laughs> it will be somewhere. <laughs> right. uh, and I quote, fuck you, Kurt. Oh. What? <laughs> Did you know that's what the response would be? Oh, oh! <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that. Yeah, absolutely. Das Joker, yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, I've got a couple of. I, I felt a little meh about it, um, but, I, but I'm willing to reserve full judgment. Obviously, until a better trailer comes out, or until I actually see the movie, I'm going to go see it. Um, the. The thing I'm a little apprehensive about is, and somebody else I think mentioned this in in our uh, uh, Facebook chat, but um, a concrete origin story for the Joker. Mm-hmm. It's it's been one of those things where you don't really you, you know you get gotten people's takes on it, but nothing that's supposed to be fully okay. This is absolutely how he became the Joker. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's one of those things where some people would argue that you don't ever really want to tell the whole story of the Joker. Right. That's what makes him kind of enigmatic. Right, and that's that's my point. Yeah, I, I, I'm of that opinion. But. At the same time, it's, you know, Joaquin Phoenix and Bob De Niro and yep. a bunch of other really talented people and i can't wait to see what comes out of it and it, it this trailer was quirky man i you know i saw some people comment on a uh, i think it was a dragon con official page someone shared it and then people were like i don't know man it just doesn't feel very jokery to me and i was like it definitely feels jokery to me what like i, I know i know why they're saying that i yeah. i, I bec- and and i think it's because like i came away from watching that going you know i almost feel bad for him Mm-hmm. I I kind of empathize with the Joker, and I don't want to. Well, think, Dude is like the worst villain, well, like yeah. one of the worst villains of all time. I don't want to empathize with him. Well, that's like one of the. I think some of the times that the Joker's at his best is when you empathize with him, like a uh, Killing Joke. Now the the animated adaptation had some pitfalls. Yeah. Like, yeah. The thing at the end of it is like that's a really punchy moment. No, that was that's a great scene. It was a great scene in the comics. It was a great scene in the movie. Yeah. Um, but but that's not a like uh, pre origin set him up so that when he finally turns evil, you still kind of feel bad for him. Well, I mean, you know, that's my concern there. The other thing though is evil. Evil people rarely are just pure abject evil. Yeah, everybody has a journey to get there, right? 
something happens that makes you into a monster and you, and it's usually a transformative, you know, it's usually like not an immediate thing, but like, yeah, agree the prequels, right? Anakin had to go through many trials and tribulations. God damn it. The Vader that he, he is today. Um, no, but there's a lot of younglings. But, so but, many younglings. <laughs> oh, that scene still. Okay. So, um, the part of, I'm with you. I'm with you on that, except um, there are some that that have been traditionally beyond redemption. Oh, I'm not saying he's redeemable. I'm saying that well, like what so it's it's kind of like, all right, um, I'm trying to think of like a real life example. Let's take, for example, like a death. Charles row. McFall. Yeah, Charles McFall <laughs> or a death row inmate. No, but like, let's take a death row inmate. Okay you're on death row and it, take, it usually takes them forever to find, to reach execution because they go through all the appeals and everything. And it often takes decades. And like, sometimes they come across as like reasonable people by the end, like they do interviews and stuff. And you're like, I don't, how did this person do all the stuff they did? And they might even be remorseful, but then you go look at the, like the summary of the case files and you see what they did and you're like, Oh no. No, you're not. There's, there's no redemption for what you did. Like yeah. right. Bundy, Ted Bundy. Yeah. Charles Manson. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. But at least Bundy was charismatic. Well, no, that <laughs> bullshit. I mean, Manson was the most charismatic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, motherfucker was there. yeah. Sorry. I'm dumb. I'm blinded by the charismaticness of Charlie <laughs> Manson. <laughs> uh, <you> just... <laughs> um, but I, I, there, there was on the, on the, on the panel, Kurt, that you were on for Captain Marvel, you were talking about different timelines and how, you know, we got to separate these movie timelines from, from the books and, and the timelines that we know from other, you know, from the, from the comics. And so why, why can't this just be another timeline? We know there's been multiple Jokers throughout um, the years. This could just be maybe not the main Joker. This is a Fleck Joker. Oh. Agreed. And, Affleck. and oh, Aff- a Fleck, Affleck. It's weird how that. Yeah. Alan Fleck. Got it. Alan Fleck. Um, Fleck. Yeah. I mean, and so it's, it's just a, an initial gut reaction concern. Sure. That's it. I mean, no, no, I get I, it. I, but, I, and, and Joaquin Phoenix granted, if anybody could play pure evil, I believe he can mm-hmm. because I, he might actually be Joker. He <laughs> is an incredible human and I loved everything that he has ever put out. I, uh, I'm also very biased because that statement that I just said is actually true. I am a big Joaquin Phoenix fan. And even when he did his uh, fucking crazy stunt where he was. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm not really legit. here. Or yeah, I'm, I'm, not, here. I'm not here. Yeah. I loved it. I, it was so Kaufman-esque that it just. I couldn't. I've made too many semen jokes already. <laughs> but um, I, I'm on the other side of this um, than you, Kurt. I, I saw this trailer as I was Elmo gifting and I was like, ah, this is wonderful. This is exactly what I want it to be. Somehow the director of old school has, has gotten this Fincher esque shooting of a film of the Joker and it looks great. And to find out, you know, that he's well, not to find out cause we haven't found out anything, but from what I've been picking, piecing apart from the trailer after watching it a couple times, it looks like he's a he's an up and coming stand up comedian. As we see him writing jokes on one scene, and then he, we have fucking De Niro doing his Kings of Comedy esque fucking 
oh my god i just oh i can't wait i can't wait and uh you know every every actor who plays the joker puts his own goddamn spin on it and true i've i've almost enjoyed all of them um the only one that me and my uh, that i was talking about with my wife today was uh jared leto and that's just because I, I haven't seen it yeah it's the only joker i haven't seen and i kind of give him a pass after hearing that like i shot hours of footage and i used 10 minutes so i really didn't get my thing across mm-hmm. So I, who am I to judge on, on really only 5% of, of what he actually did? You know, the thing is, too, the real shame about Jared Leto is I bet if, if they had stylized his version similarly to the first Burton Batman film, like where he's like a gangster in that regard, not, not a modern mumble rap gangster, but like a, you know, like a, a classic mob gangster, slicked back hair, you know, like I'm thinking, is it Alex Ross that did the Clown Prince of Crime uh, art? That one cover. I think so. He looks really slick. If they had done it like that and let him do his thing, I think he he would have been incredible. Uh, and I think it would have even translated well to a modern film if it was done just right. If they just made him, you know, present day, slightly upscale, classy Joker. Because uh, you know the the thing for me is like the Heath Ledger Joker is amazing because he is the slightest bit dapper, but who's lived on the streets for like two years. You know what I mean? Like he, he dresses dapper and then he slept on the street for two years and never changed. And that is the Joker you have there. Um, I think Jared Leto could have done it well if he had been able to play to the, the style. Yeah. You know, the, the thing about the Joker is through the comic books, through TV, through movies, he has been the one that has most radically changed from a character standpoint, from everything from design through uh, mannerisms and everything, you know, from the old Cesar Romero stuff to, uh, to Jack Nicholson, to, you know, to Heath Ledger, they're all very, very different jokers, but it somehow works. And at the time that they were around, they worked really well. And so I expect, you know, even the Jared Leto one, I wasn't a big fan of the design, but I, I gave it a pass because it, Joker can be that different. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this one I expect will be very different as well. I just, my only criticism was based on just my gut reaction from the trailer. Um, I th- I'm going to go see it. Absolutely. I think and, they're just trying not to give too much away. Too. And that could be. Yeah, that, completely. Yeah. Speaking of the Joker, has anybody ever seen the picture of somebody handing Jack Nicholson a picture of Heath Ledger's Joker to sign? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's hilarious. Go, go Google it. It is. The face of Jack Nicholson is just like. It'd be better if it was Mark Hamill handing it to him. <laughs> yeah, well, come on. <sighs> so, yeah. Also, I, a very different Joker, but awesome. Yeah. If not, maybe possibly one of my favorites, if not my top two. Definitely one of my favorites as well. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's so annoyed. He's so angry. That's wonderful. Jack Nicholson. Oh, oh, yeah, I didn't see it. Yeah. I'll send it to you at the break. All right. Yeah, that's that's pretty solid. Uh, yeah, we got a couple more things to talk about before that break. Uh, Twilight Zone premiere. Of course, uh, you know, there's been a lot of hype behind the Twilight Zone return, largely because Jordan Peele is taking that host role. 
And Kurt, you got to see the premiere. Yeah. Did anybody else see it? No. 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 All right. So uh, I was very excited about a new Twilight Zone and and then doubly excited when I had heard that Jordan Peele was going to be doing the Rod Serling role, the hosting of it. Um, One, I think he's fantastic. Like in that role, I thought he was fantastic. Um, the premiere, and and I'm not going to give away any spoilers. Um, it felt pretty good from a Twilight Zone storyline standpoint. The twist that happens on every Twilight Zone episode was very predictable to mm. me. Um, I'm, it's still worth watching. It, it was it was it was a good first go um i don't really give shows a hard time for their first episode to three or four episodes even because everybody has to find their legs yeah especially on a show that's been off the air for 16 years uh right wasn't wasn't there one in the early 2000s i thought it was 90s but you might be right yeah um so so, but I'm I'm excited. I want to see the, I want to see the rest of it. I'm still not going to buy CBS All Access. Yeah, don't don't even get me started. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna watch it when I'm um, out of the country on on Netflix. So um, now, one thing um, is I've noticed some people are think are questioning Jordan Peele's creative input into Twilight Zone. My understanding is at least for these first two episodes that came out, his only creative contribution was to just do the read to do the you know the narration you know i didn't look too closely at the credits so i can't even speak to that well i've got them in front of me hey look at that so this first episode the comedian is that what you watch with kumail nanjiani and and tracy morgan (sighs) yep okay cool so that was written by alex rubin who is a co-writer on kinu um the movie that uh, key and peel put out a couple years ago and uh has he was a writer and a co-producer on keen peel and community so you know he's got he's worked with with um uh-huh. with peel peel thank you uh he's worked with peel for for many years and if he's a co-writer of kinu i mean it, they who knows if these two friends got together and then alex rubin just took most of the credit because he put in 80 percent of the work but um and then owen harris directed the first episode so mm-hmm. Um, not much connection with, with Jordan Peele at all. So I'll tell you what, Tracy Morgan was fantastic. Tracy Morgan is underrated. Well, so he didn't play his over the top uh Tracy Morgan comedian thing. He played a veteran comedian, uh, and was very different than what you've seen and was fantastic. He was great. You know Liz Lemon. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know if I've seen Tracy come back and do his over-the-top character since his his terrible car accident he had a couple of years uh, ago. Have you seen any of the episodes of OG? No. That's that's his. I think it's on TBS. It's a series uh-huh. that he's doing uh, where he plays a, a ex-con who'd been in prison for okay. like got 20, it. thirty years. Yep, yeah, that's all you got to say. So yeah, exactly, <laughs> got it. And, well, and it's a it's a little over the top, but it's not that that crazy Tracy Morgan. Yeah. Not that 30 Rock. Right. Uh, um, I'll make you pregnant. <laughs> I'm a spaceman. Yeah. 
but yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to check this out. I cannot believe some of the people they have involved in this. Um, it, actors such as appear in episodes, Adam Scott, John Cho, Kumail Nanjiani, uh, Alison Tomlin, Jacob Tremblay, uh, Stephen Yun from Walking Dead. Uh, I'm just grabbing ones that I've read. Greg Kinnear, Zazie Beetz. Dan Carlin of Hardcore History is in the second episode. Nice. Chris O'Dowd. Oh, Chris O'Dowd's great. And Seth we'll Rogen's going to be in one as well. Uh, yep. yeah, I'm excited. So what they did at the end of the episode was kind of like give a, a flash of what's coming up type of thing. And yeah. they showed clips, you know, just like real fast flashes with like Seth Rogen and Adam Scott and everybody just throughout the whole thing, which actually made me go, oh, my God, they got that guy and they got that guy. Cool. Let's let's see what happens. Um, so, yeah, I think it could be really cool. Oh, okay. So uh, Jordan Peele is listed as a writer on the second episode, The Nightmare at 30,000 Feet. Got it. Third remake. I was going to say they're redoing that. That's the second episode, yeah. So if they have Tracy Morgan out on the wing, I'm in. And Tina Fey inside. Yep. <laughs> No, she's on. She's on the uh, the magazine that the person's reading. So you know what's really remarkable is who wrote the original Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet that this is based on was Richard Matheson who wrote I Am Legend. Oh so, really? I didn't wasn't know that, that. that. That was Shatner's episode too, wasn't yeah, it? it was. Yes, original yeah. Shatner's episode, and yeah. that was John Lithgow on the uh, in the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. That as a little kid, that fucked me up, man. Watching that, I was like, yeah, oh. nobody wants to see Shatner. No, nobody. Nobody <laughs> wants to look out a plane window and see anything. A yeah. boogum, a boogum destroying a, a, the plane, right? Uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, this is cool. I want to check it out. Um, honestly, I've heard a couple of things. Like I've heard some some people didn't really care for it, or they found it very predictable. I'm gonna withhold judgment. And honestly, I miss the days. I, I've talked about this on the show before. I miss it back when I was in high school, when you could fall asleep watching like primetime TV. Uh, you know, just watching like regular television and then wake up if you were watching like Fox or WPN or U- I'm sorry, UPN and wake up to watching like either a Twilight Zone episode or an Outer Limits episode and just wake up in the middle of it and be like, what is this? <laughs> and then not be able to go back to sleep because it immediately grabs you and is like, oh no, you're not sleeping tonight, boy. X-Files. That was my X-Files. Oh, <laughs> What are these mud people? I don't. <laughs> yeah, I love uh, how X Files runs the gamut from like a really boring, nothing happens episode to like the Luke grandmother Moore. under the bed episode. Oh wow! Mm. Yeah, ooh, that's the one that screwed me up. <laughs> I was just like, going, "Oh my god, no! <laughs> Stop it!" Uh, anyways, let's uh, let's let's hit our break and then we'll hit this next topic. And because uh, uh, there's some exciting news about Borderlands, and we all know this network loves Borderlands, and we all know there's a dumb dick who's not on the show tonight that is like the greatest devotee of uh, all things Borderlands. We'll talk I'm about here. that on the flip. Yeah, we're talking about Dennis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna hit that break, and we'll be right back. Patreon.com/slash breaking the panel is where you go to support the show. Now, we know that you all are crazy enough to listen to our little shit show here, but are you crazy enough to support? 
A lot of you actually are. Um, we've got a couple new patrons over the last couple of weeks, and I deeply appreciate it. All the way down in my deep, grinchy heart. One of the perks you get with the Patreon is the behind-the-scenes uncut editions of the weekly episode. Um, we record for about 20 to 30 minutes before the show starts. We talk in the mid, mid-show mid break and then the post-show. And a lot of that, you know, just gets cut out because it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit the show. Maybe uh, at that point we talk about things that we're going to drop mid-show. Uh, things get weird. Things get heated sometimes. Uh, the only place to get that is over at patreon.com slash breaking the panel. So support if you can. Any amount is perfect with us and let's get to the second half of the show see ya hey i hope that break hit you well i hope you worked out some semen (laughs) flogged flogged some bishops did whatever you need to do during that ad break hit the bathroom yep and uh, we're going to jump right back into things of course we talked about last week i believe Borderlands 3 has been announced, but we have more information, and ooh, is it spicy. The big news, of course, is Borderlands 3 coming out in September of 2019. So, yeah, folks, like... uh, September 13th. Yep. We're going to do Dragon Con, Mm -hmm. and we're all going to go home, and a couple (laughs) weeks later, Borderlands is going to come out. Yep. And if it had come out before Dragon Con, that could have been a major conflict of interest for all of us. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's so, great. I'm going to put it on my Steam wish list. It's going to be amazing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about a couple things that I saw on a Facebook ad for the game that are positives before we get into the big potential talking point. Uh, it's going to have adaptive multiplayer, so it doesn't matter what level you are. It doesn't matter what point of the story you're in. You're going to be able to hop in with your friends and play at whatever point. Nice. On top of that, Mm. two-player couch co-op. Oh. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh. Uh, and also my understanding is it is cross-platform. Uh, shout out to Kyle Lambing, a fan of the show. He threw that up in our uh, Discord today. No, I did not respond to you, but I did see it. Uh, so you'll hear this next Monday and you'll know. Um, but the big news for PC gamers is... Borderlands 3 will be a Epic Store exclusive for six months upon release. Okay. Have you guys talked about the Epic Store thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of people hating on Epic for, for a lot of their practices and whatnot for Borderlands, for whatever. I don't care. Yeah. And... Shouldn't they more be angered at Steam? You would think. And Valve for not giving a good enough offer to have exclusivity to that? It's you would kinda, think. You know, I, we don't talk sports on this show, but I'm going to make a sports analogy real quick. When a player goes to free agency and gets traded, or not traded, when a person goes to free agency and they leave their, their, their town and go to a rival town, you shouldn't be angry at the player. You should be angry at your own team for not offering enough money to keep that player in your town. Right. So... Right. I don't give a fuck. And then Gearbox is going to get more money for every purchase because Epic treats their fucking uh, developers better than Steam does on a, on a buyback. The the bullshit um, reason that I'm hearing from people is um, if, if uh, Epic shouldn't be doing exclusives because that reduces choice. 
No. And I say, that's bullshit. The choice was always there. And Epic made a better offer. I mean, it was just... Oh, I, I'm sorry. I was just looking through all the console exclusives I have. No kidding. Uh, from my Halo to my Spider-Man to my uh, my Super Mario Brothers. Yep. No, it's cra- it's a crazy, it's a crazy crazy argument. Um, Earth is is flat because I can't see the curve. Right. There there are absolutely some criticisms to be levied at the Epic's Game Store. One, uh, it's it's not as secure as Steam. Correct. People have been able to get information off of it and stuff. Like so, yeah, it's the service isn't as secure. It's not as robust. Uh, there's a lot of features on Steam. You know, the, all the social features, all the review features. Granted, I don't think the average PC gamer uses any of that shit. I think it's a very small percentage of the population actually bothers to do any of the social stuff on Steam. I'm going to miss not having trading cards. Oh, right. Yeah, trading cards and all of that. Oh, and there, right. are, well, there are people who will Fuck argue you, about Kurt. that. <laughs> Fuck you, Kurt. I know no. I'm pissed. No, I'm people, not pissed. People, people, <laughs> there are people who will argue that they'll miss the trading cards because you can sell them for like 14 cents. You know, and so you get three automatically just for playing the game, and that's like forty cents off the next game <laughs> that they want to buy. I'm gonna have to buy them both now. Just <laughs> <laughs> for the trading cards. Oh my god! Well, yeah. Well, by, you the know. Time it, by the time it comes out on Steam, it'll be like ten dollars in a summer sale or something. No, you're not wrong. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, it, it, this is a free market. This is a new firm coming into a marketplace offering a competing service and throwing the money that they earn from Fortnite around because they fucking can and it's there's no i mean you're you're absolutely right i mean there's no it's ridiculous for people to get pissed off about it it's great that epic's able to give those kind of percentages to the developer again having worked in the industry i i, I know small developers that would have love to have that opportunity yeah and steam was the only real show in town unless you wanted to do hard copies mm-hmm. which is prohibitively expensive in a lot of ways yeah and so yeah no i mean don't get me wrong i still believe in steam i still value my steam collection steam's still a great service but steam isn't these people are so disconnected from reality steam aren't saints valve are not saints Mm-mm. these are not you know they Steam is absolutely engaged in anti-competitive behavior in the past, and they have been—they have possessed a near monopoly in the industry for PC gamers for the last decade, off and on. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I might argue that, but but only because of the—it's electronic distribution versus. I mean, you can still buy boxed copies that aren't distributed by Steam. Can you though? Because a lot of boxed copies are just Steam codes. So you can um, buy it someplace else, but you're still going to use Steam as your launcher. Maybe in some in some way in some cases, but, but regard, regardless, though, I, the the point is is well taken. I mean, in, most of the big publishers have all created their own launchers too. They've already circumvented right. Steam. They don't want to deal with Steam. Ubisoft might sell some games through Steam, but a lot of times, okay, so yeah, and that's the thing. Like EA and Ubisoft are perfect examples. There are games of theirs on Steam. A lot of times, they don't get put on there until a year later. So their idea is we're going to be exclusive to our own sales front, our own storefront for six months or a year. And then we are going to open it up and put it on all the other services. And you're still going to log in through our launcher. Yep. And people are like, that's bullshit. But only when Epic does it. Right. Right. It's like, no. And the people are like, like you said, it limits choice. No, this is the definition of choice. You can still buy it on console. 
and there's going to be co there's going to be cross play. Yeah. Like unless something changes between now and September, supposedly, you, you know, we're going to be able to buy this on multiple services and play together. What's the problem? You know what I mean? That the, the biggest thing about PC gaming has always been you're locked to the PC matchmaking. You're locked to your PC friends. This could open up everything. You know, people can play on their PS4. Um, is it coming to Switch? I'm no, not it's, sure. it's not. No. But but arguably, you know who who stu- who got the cross platform play to be opened up on the multiple consoles? Epic, epic. with epic. Fortnite. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. but but with that said, Paul, it is not on Switch yet. Oh, I, I definitely think it's going to happen. Well, well, you have to remember that the two Switches that are going to be announced at E3, what perfect time to announce that Borderlands 3 is coming to the Switch than during an E3, yeah. you know, direct. So we'll see. Um, I, it doesn't matter. I'm going to buy this on PC. There's no real reason to buy this on console because PC Master Race. I'm probably going to buy it on PC as well, but still cross-play, adaptive multiplayer, two-player couch co-op, I'm happy. And, you know, just because I'm not going to have it through Steam isn't the biggest deal to me. I played... So, Epic gave me Subnautica for free, and I have no issues with the launcher. I've played that game, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, and this is just a reminder um, that the Epic launcher gives a free game every month. You know, all you have to do is sign in and uh, accept it. You don't even have to download it right then. Just sign in right. and accept it. Yeah. So. As a matter of fact, I think they even do two a month, don't they? Isn't it like every two weeks? Um, let's see. The next game is available on the 4th. So, yeah, you're right, Paul. Uh, so, tomorrow, the new game comes out uh, tomorrow as we record this. So, The Witness will be free until April 18th. Yeah, and Ox, as of the time of recording, Oxenfree has been available for two weeks. Okay, and, cool. Yeah. yeah. Since they've started doing this, I've gotten Subnautica for free, which was, that's a game that I should have paid at least $20 for. Um, I got Slime Rancher, which I haven't played yet. I got Super Meat Boy. I got Oxenfree. I got Shadow Complex Remastered. Um, somehow I have Jackbox Party Pack, too. What? I don't know where that came from. Interesting. Thimbleweed Park. Yeah. So, and then I have Unreal Tournament, which I bought way back in the day. That's not the point. Um, <laughs> the point is, though, they've, given, they've been, since they launched the service, every two weeks they've given a free game away, and they aren't garbage games. Some of these games are great. Some of them are a little off the beaten path, but Subnautica was a fucking amazing game. You know? Uh, Charles has been playing that on his Sunday stream, I believe, for the last few weeks, and it's really fun watching him slowly put around the ocean (laughs) (laughs) anyways the point is the sky is not falling let's cut the chicken little bullshit yep the new reality is epic is going to offer a great deal to new games that are coming out and some developers are going to snatch that deal and they're going to take it they're going to take all that extra money and i don't blame gearbox at all nope no not at all how why would you you know you want them to continuously make fucking sweet content you got to you got to support them with the, the, the platform that is going to give them more money back for your money. They're going to give them more of your money to make fucking awesome content. So just want to also put out there that I found our new Sunday night stream on the Epic Games 
uh, 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 login. Um, it is free. It is Bus Simulator 18, <laughs> where Paul will drive the bus and me and Dennis will, will be uh, his passengers. Uh, it's going to be great. Nothing ever will go wrong. But it's free on the Epic Store, and I'm going to fucking get that right now. Oh, my God. That could be the best game ever. No, 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 no. We'll talk about it after the show. Uh, man, that's terrible and terrifying all at the same time. Well, we'll talk off, off stream. Uh, anyways, uh, next topic. Okay, next topic is going to be a little controversial, so, you know. Strap in. Drink them if you got them. Strap in. Jordan Peele was quoted in an interview the other day, and this has been hitting the rounds, as saying he doesn't see himself casting a white dude in the, as the lead in one of his films. And some people are upset by this. Other people are like, who cares? Mm-hmm. And other people are like, good. And I, personally, I fall somewhere between the who cares and good camp because I'm like, Jordan Peele can choose to cast whoever he wants in his projects. That's his prerogative. Jordan Peele can tell the stories he wants to tell because uh, he's, he's kind of earned that. He's earned his way in the industry. Um, but yeah, like uh, this, this is hitting the rounds. What do you, what do you guys take, take on this? Are you offended by his words? No, but I don't get offended by much. Uh, yeah. I, I feel the same way. I'm more like, are they going to be good movies? Mm-hmm. That's really all I care about. I'll get offended if he starts making shit movies. Right. But I just don't care. I just and, don't care. You know, three white dudes have the most important opinions about this topic. So we really <laughs> need to get that out. No, uh, no, the thing is, he needs to cast who he feels is going to be the most competent actor to play that role. Mm-hmm. And if he says he's not going to be writing for white dudes to take the lead in that movie. I don't want him to put one in there and have the movie be shitty. You know, yeah. it's his work. He could do whatever the fuck you, he wants. It's not, you know, but it's, it's also it's, not like he's not casting white people. No, exactly. And get no. out. He had fantastic white actors in that film in great roles. They weren't necessarily the heroes of their stories, but they were great in us. He cast it, you know, they're, uh, there's an entire family because the, the main family in us is a black family, but there's a white family that they're friends with. And Elizabeth Moss is the wife of that family. And I don't know who the dude was, but they were great too. Like they put in incredible performances. I'm going to avoid spoilers because that movie's really fresh for everybody. Um, as long as he keeps making great films, he had, you know, and this is, I responded to somebody on the internet with the point that um, one of the things that was remarkable about us for me was that there was almost nothing about the plot of that film that dictated what that what the ethnic background or like diversity aspect of that family had to be. I think you could have made that film with a white family, you could have made it with the black family that he did, you could have made it with an Asian family and you know, an indigenous people's family, you could have made it with anything. And it would have been the exact same film because it is just a film. It's a story. And it's, it's in, in this case, get out was a film that was about racial tension. You know, it's a horror film that played to racial tension. So obviously, you know, there are certain components that have to be in place to make that resonate in this case, in us, that didn't need to be the case, but I'll tell you what the, the film had some amazing moments. Uh, 
I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to do a full review on it. Um, it I, I told Philip right after I got out of it that I wasn't super blown away only because I predicted everything that was going to happen. Mm. But that doesn't mean that the movie wasn't still cool. Like yeah. it was creepy. It was really stylistic. It had some insane scenes. Lapita Nyong'o, holy shit, she has gone way, way, way up in my estimation after this film. Because she, I already liked her in Black Panther, and that was the first thing that I saw her in that I could recall. I thought she was really charming in that. She was fantastic in this movie because mm. she ha- she acted a range and she plays two characters. Because you know, you can tell from the trailers that it's there's a an evil version of the family that mirrors their family. And obviously it's the actors playing their mirrored versions as well. And she does a transition. Let me tell you. Mm. Fantastic. Uh, Winston Duke was great as well. He was fantastic. Um, one of my, I'm not really spoiling too much here, but one of my favorite things about it, Winston Duke is a big hulking, intimidating man. He, you know, he was uh, Mbaku in black Panther, you know, white gorilla the plot of this film makes it so that he doesn't get to use that in the film. Like he's immediately like his wing gets clipped, if you will. Mm. So he has to be funny and kind of witty. And it was so good. The, the performance was so good. And it was like, you think, you know, it's, it, something's going to happen. And it just, and it's like, it, that's a testament to the writing, the direction and the performance. Um, and the kids were, Oh my God, those kids are talented. They're going to do incredible things. My point is, Jordan Peele, you can cast whoever you want, and everybody else out there, fucking let them. Yeah, nobody bitches at fucking Tarantino for putting Samuel L. and mm-hmm. and and fucking Matson in every movie that he makes. People don't yell at Wes Anderson for putting Bill Murray and one of the seventeen Owen brothers in the in the movies because it's his fucking work. It's his art. You don't get to tell how people tell people how to make their own fucking art. Oh, I, I disagree. That's what we do all the time now. That's the no, way. no, no. You, 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 you <laughs> fuck you, Kurt. I do what I want. <laughs> this is the, the, we're, we're living in a day and age where that is completely valid that you, you get to tell people what they want. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. You get to, you get to voice what you think you need. I give you what you need. And yeah. then, <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so I, I think we all kind of agree that yeah. it's an interesting thing that he said but this is ultimately almost a non-story it's like what the now do do we have the actual quote or do we only have like because is this is this quote out of context or do we have a full quote that's because you know th- headlines like this are normally just out of context things pulled out of you know a, of a, a five se- a five minute you know a five minute uh, answer to an interview question um yeah so i have i have the whole uh, quote right here yep uh it starts out i hate white people ah no um it basically says <laughs> <laughs> the way i look at it he explained i get to cast black people in my movies i feel fortunate to be in this position where i can say to universal i want to make 20 million dollar horror movie with a black family and they say yes it's a formula he's not interested in messing with he continues by saying, I don't see myself casting a white dude as the lead in my movie. Not that I don't like white dudes, he said, nodding over to his moderator pal. Um, but I've seen that movie. The line drew loud applause and shots of agreement. It, and he continues and says, it's really one of the best, greatest pieces of the story. It's feeling like we're in this time. A renaissance has happened and proved the myths about representation in the industry are false. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's a non-issue. Yeah. 
It's just, it's silly. And it, it should be noted, you know, this might not be immediately apparent, but Jordan Peele's mixed. His mother's white, his father's black. He, he has talked before in interviews about how he sometimes doesn't feel like he's part of either community. You know what I mean? He's felt isolated at times. And I think it's great that he's leaning into the underrepresented side and doing what he can to, to you know, because my big thing with us, like I was just saying, is I literally think you could have cast any anybody for that, that family, like any qualified, competent actors. I, I even think that they could have done a mixed family. You know what I mean? Like a, a post-divorce type, like two, fa- you know, two families come together, that sort of thing, and it could have worked because the story was just a story. It wasn't an inherently black story. It wasn't an inherently white story. It wasn't any of that. It was just a story. And it was decent. Like, I mean, it was good. It was a good film. It just, like I said, I wasn't super surprised, but I've seen a lot of films and you know, it's hard to, you you get it. You're smart. You're smarter than everyone else (laughs) in that movie theater. You're smarter than Jordan Peele. No, probably not. (laughs) I was going to say, uh, like, as far as horror goes, you got to pull like a hereditary level, out of left field. Oh man, my Suzanne watched it. Yeah, I forgot to tell you that Suzanne watched that. Oh boy. Um, uh, but yeah, no. If, if you think Jordan Peele's racist, just ask his wife Chelsea Peretti. Yeah, right. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we have to talk about the hereditary thing off air because yeah, we will. Uh, part of the reason that's in my like thoughts right now is because uh, Trent from Toy Power. Oh, you mean Trent? Yeah. <laughs> got ben from toy power to watch it Who? And so, so apparently ben's ben's wife took the kids and were out of the house and he watched it and he was like what the fuck is this movie you had me watch and what he goes on one hand i'm like why did you tell me to watch this movie and on the other hand why didn't you tell me to watch it sooner <laughs> and i was just like oh man because hereditary is a fucking trip but anyways, I you said trent but i i don't know ben ben is from toy power as well i thought oh is that still a thing Mm-hmm. I thought it's Trent. Oh no, it's 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 Frank. They got rid of Frank. Ben's the good one. Frank's the one that sucks. Got it. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. You know, all Australians sound the same <laughs> to me. Yeah. And I won't cast them in my movie. <laughs> <laughs> this, okay, this is completely out of nowhere. But I just remembered that I was browsing Reddit yesterday and somebody in the, the subreddit worship porn, which is not porn it's pictures of warships out at sea because they look cool somebody took a picture of an australian destroyer and it was flipped upside down and so i just imagine frank allen listening to this show when it comes out next week Who? upside down <laughs> and getting really pissed off that you just said he's the bad one he's the bad one yep but i got rid of him uh, speaking of bad ones, uh, everybody's favorite game company, well, game retailer, Epic, nope, Epic? GameStop, <laughs> oh. reports a 673, $673 million dollar loss for 2018. Guess we got to jack those uh, used cartridges prices up again. <laughs> But how is that? How could this have been done? You know, it's uh, video games are like a car. As soon as you take them off the lot and bring them back, they're worthless. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I could say about GameStop without even reading this article. 
um, as somebody who has worked in a dying retail store, as soon as um, your company pivots and start bringing in things that don't really have anything to do with your company, that is the first sign as it is the beginning to the end. As soon as Blockbuster brought in books to sell, I knew that was it. So with them bringing in, and I I know their parent company and ThinkGeek are the same people, but bringing in more nerd culture, Funko Pop, T-shirts, all that other shit, and have it be more than 50% of your store is a telling sign, just like your um, FYEs and your Suncoasts that, they're trying to get as much money from these secondary things to, to kind of recoup some of the, the well, losses before they go under. That's the business though. Like that's the business now. Nobody wants to buy, nobody wants to walk into a GameStop and hand a clerk $60 no. for a triple A game. Have it like you, like you joked about, be like a new car, lose 89% of its value. The second you, dr- you walk out of the front door with it and yeah, there's, especially not in the digital age. Right. I, I wonder also how much of this has to do with um, back when Amazon Prime was doing percentage off if you pre-ordered with them. Yep. Because I, I know with even um, Smash Brothers and Eevee, my pre-orders were in so early um, that I was grandfathered in, even though they got rid of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a real part of a point of contention with my local stop because the employee there was very pushy that I would pre-order them. And I said, I've got them pre-ordered. And he's like, got your file pulled up. You don't have anything pre-ordered. Why would you lie to me? Hmm. It's like, well, first off, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, fuck you. And if, if this wasn't the only goddamn Octopath Traveler in a 50 mile radius, Hmm. I would shove it up your little ass. But secondly, I'm going with Amazon because that's where the better deal is, you piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And then he asked if I wanted to renew my card, and I just fucking left. <laughs> I see that your power-up card is, uh, is expired. Oh, man, dude. The, the thing that kills me about GameStop is, so I've worked retail before. I've talked about it a little bit in the past. I, I did retail for 10 years. I've been a retail manager. I've worked in consumer electronics. and I, So I know, and I've been in performance-based sales. Like I've earned a commission and stuff. They don't even earn commission, but the company tries to get them to do all the lame stuff that you would do as a commission salesman, but they don't compensate them for it. So they're bad at it. And they're just like, yeah, can I get you to pre-order a game or, you know, can I get you a blah, blah. And it's like, dude, like it, these companies need to realize that having, having the laundry list taped to the console to tell these guys all the stupid stuff that they need to say to every customer isn't good. Because it doesn't improve customer experience. I know what I want. However, I will say if you're smart and you're adaptive, if I come in and I like I, I buy Marvel Legends from them sometimes, right? If I come in and I walk up to the counter with a Marvel Legends, and this has happened at my local one who is a great manager. I don't like his other people, but I like the manager. I've walked up, he's been like, Oh yeah, sweet. Oh, did you see that I got, you know, the new wave that just came in? And he'll point it out to me because it'll be in a different spot. And I'll be like, Oh shit. What up? And, I, some, and I've been honest with him before. Like I've returned one that I bought there before because I got it cheaper at Walmart. He's like, so why are you returning it? And I'm like, I gotta be honest with you, dude. It's like $4 cheaper at Walmart. And he's like, you right. <laughs> he didn't give me any shit. He was like, yeah, it's brand new. It's still in package. He took it back. That's a guy that I can work with. That's a guy that I buy stuff from on purpose. Like I go in, I talk to him I'm like, Hey, 
you know, let's, 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 let's wheel and deal here. He's a guy who has fixed pricing when they've done uh, sales, you know, like they'll do their sales on the clearance section. They'll be like, clearance will be 75% off of it's certain categories. And it's usually like action figures and t-shirts and stuff like that. And every once in a while you'll get like a weird hybrid item. That's technically a different category, but is on the shelf with everything else. And it won't ring up. Right. He immediately fixes it for me. Mm. But that's an exception. Well, that's, but that's my point. That's a good right. manager who is like, listen, I need to move my clearance anyways. And I don't, honestly, at the end of the day, I don't care if you pay $5 for this instead of 250 because what's 250 towards my, you know, my markup in the, in the grand scheme of things. I just need to move this merchandise. So, mm-hmm. and he knows that I'm going to keep coming back to him, especially whenever I see that sale pop up. So he's yeah. my dude. But when I walk in and I see, you know, his guy working the counter who's hanging out with two, two buddies that are standing right at the counter. And then he's trying to do the, oh, are you going to top up your rewards card? Are you going to pre-order? Can I get you to pre-order any game? No, you can't get me it. First of all, most of the gaming community is starting to really reject the idea of pre-ordering unless you're offering some incredible perks, like a huge discount or special like cosmetics or something or an awesome collector's edition or something. So no, fuck off. I'm not going to pre-order a $60 game because I'm probably not going to play it. I'll buy it in six months when it's half price, asshole. <laughs> it's it's very strange. If I can cut in real quick, because oh, absolutely. Paul, we have this. I feel like we're going to the same GameStop, and <laughs> that just be, that could just be every GameStop, because the same thing. Like I only go to GameStop now because they're one of the only people that still carries World of Nintendo, mm-hmm. and I can find really rare World of Nintendo shit in a GameStop, and I have that. Um, I have that relationship with the manager there. And I always have, um, as soon as the super NES classic went on sale, I called, he knew it was me. He said, I got you fam. Same with the switch. And and every time I go in every so often, he's like, Hey, uh, this is what I got. I, I figured you'd be in. So it didn't even hit store shelves for you. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got that fucking Samus that, that sits up on the shelf right now. But yeah. Same thing. If I don't see him as, as I walk by the store behind the counter, nope. fuck off. Fuck right off. Yeah, I mean, I remember the old days when GameStop used to be not sucky. Oh, no, wait. No, I don't. No, you don't. Uh, it never happened. But um, Funko Land. The, 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 the problem with GameStop and a lot of, you know, frankly, some of the – no, it's, it's primarily GameStop, where they're, they're really the only game in town when it comes to particularly – used games mm-hmm. and and they know it and it's almost like they're they're cocky about it and and it just it's friggin infuriating to just go look we know you you have shady practices and yet you still got people coming in here i i hate that crap you know what kills me though they're inflexible so they'll run a sale uh this game brand new is $15. We're talking about like a, an originally $60 game. Uh, actually, the one I was looking at for a while was South Park Fractured Butthole. Yep. Okay. Um, it was on for Switch. It was originally a $60 game. It had been marked down to like 40 bucks. It sits at like 40 bucks most of the time. And in stores, brand new copies were marked down to $15. And my local store had it and then didn't have it. And I went in and I see the pre-owned two copies sitting on the shelf and I've asked them before. I've been like, can you just sell me a pre-owned one at the sale price for the other one? And they're like, no. And I'm like, why? That's insane. And I know part of why, but it's like, 
you're going to sit on this product until you mark it down to that in six months or a year anyways. So why are you not flexible? If you're running a sale on the brand new product for a certain amount, why would you not jump at the opportunity to sell your pre-owned copies for that price too? It happens more than you know. No, I know. It no, is. no, that's, that's like a standard practice though. Cause like, that's how I got my, my Samus returns for the 3ds. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Uh, the new copy was about $15 cheaper than the pre-owned. Mm-hmm. And well, I was like, yeah, I want to get Samus returns. And, and I was like, and she, the, 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 the employee grabs the pre-owned and she's like, yeah, that's going to be like 40 bucks, 42. It's like, well, no, no, no. I, I want the new one that you like literally touched as you went yeah. <laughs> for, the, for the used one. Oh, oh yeah. Weird. That's, that's weird. How, so do you want to update your, your power up car? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Makes you want to stab somebody in the eye. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I'll be honest though. The only thing that drives me crazier than that, because here's the thing. GameStop is, it's a corporate retailer. So yeah. I get it. This is corporate policy. It's corporate business. Uh, and that kind of business works in major markets sometimes. Like you can just slap whatever price you want on stuff and people will buy it. But it doesn't work in small town USA. It just doesn't. You know what I mean? The, the people in $673 million well, no, dollar loss. Right. That's something I'm saying. <laughs> well, no, but that's, that's what I'm talking about. Because like if you look at stores, like a metro, let's say – if you had a game, we, we already no. went over Gettysburg. <laughs> no, but like if, if you have a GameStop in Manhattan, for example, it doesn't matter what stuff is priced at. It will, if it's, if it's high volume, like a really in demand product, people will just buy it. And the same goes for certain areas all around the country. And it's the same for retailers overseas as well. But in small town America or suburb America, especially when you have like 15 fucking GameStops within a 30 minute drive of you, no, it doesn't fly. You know, it, that right. doesn't work for me. But if I'm in a place like Manhattan where it's like, well, I got to get on the subway or I got to walk 10 blocks to get to the next place that I could possibly get this, I'll just walk in and buy it. And you're also usually dealing with a higher income level for people as well. So they don't balk at price as much. But that strategy only works in certain markets. But most of your markets are not that market. So these businesses need to be more flexible. Um, but the only thing that drives me more crazy than this is when you go into the mom and pop used game stores and their prices are as bad as GameStops are worse. The only difference that I would say there is that in the mom and pops, you stand a better chance of haggling and discussing it Some with the time. owners. Yes. I don't say it all the time, but you stand yeah. a chance, you know, um, well, that, that money goes not to a corporation as well. Right. Right. That's true. But that's also like, that's why I want you to work with me, you know? Yeah. Cause okay. So if I want to buy a retro game, I would infinitely prefer to walk into my local dealer, shake the guy's hand or gal's hand or whatever, and maybe not shake their hand because maybe that weirds them out. But, you know, my point is I'd like to look at them and be like, hey, I'm looking for this thing. And then I can look at that physical product. I can look at it. And if they're a good shop, I can ask them to crack it open so that I can see it's authentic. And then I'm going to be like, all right, so let's talk price. And if they get me near eBay, even if it's a couple bucks up, Maybe it's a couple bucks down or whatever. If I'm buying multiple things, I would hope everything is a couple bucks off as a thank you. I'm golden, but I, I can't, <clears throat> I walk into some of these stores sometimes that it's like, all right, so this normally goes for $20 on eBay and it's 30 or $40 for this. Or you, you, like the classic one is you'll see uh, Mario, Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt for like 20 bucks. And it's like, 
what are you smoking? <laughs> there are millions of those just sitting as coasters in people's garages and stuff like fuck off. <sighs> you know, it, that is the stuff that drives me crazy. And they are the people that are least inclined to do it. Like you, you don't need to do that. You, you're not answering to a mega corporation. Fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but that's, that's exactly the point though. That reeks of companies that don't give a crap about their clientele. Right. Yeah. And, and, w- and again, to speak to the mom and pop store, you develop a relationship with those guys and you go in and they go, you, you stand a much better chance of, of them going, well, you know what? I, we can knock five bucks off this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because you're a loyal customer. Cause loyalty means something. GameStop loyalty means Jack. No, yeah. That's the thing. Like yeah. I, my, I said, my local store has my guy. One of the reasons I like my local store is it's one of their hybrid stores, which means it's 50-50 on collectibles versus gaming. And they have a separate pricing structure to the rest of the company. So those sales I was talking about on clearance and stuff, when they discount stuff, they get that sale more often than the other stores do. Mm. So I like that store because that's the stuff I like to shop for. I like to buy Marvel Legends on clearance and pay $4 for a figure that's normally 22 Right. You know I mean? Like... I've, I've bought them out of every single extra one that they had because they've been sitting there for weeks. And I was like, I'll do you a favor, you know, because I know that I can trade with other people and stuff and get things that I need. And it's like, or I'll give them away to friends or whatever. And it's like, let me clear you out because you've been sitting on these. And I'm like, the, apparently the only guy in town that cares about them. But like, yeah, it's, you got to work with people. And you know what I mean? I, I infinitely prefer to go to the store that has a cool manager than any of the others. So GameStop, get more cool managers. Yeah, uh, with six hundred seventy-three million dollars of loss. <laughs> well, I mean, the end is nigh. Let's be real. Yeah, it really is. I, I, I can't. In, I you know what's going to be awesome? Those closeout sales. You know what the other crazy thing is? <laughs> they jacked the prices up. <laughs> <laughs> the other crazy thing about GameStop is uh, there's lots of stories floating around the internet of what they throw away. Yep, I was just going to say dumpster diving at GameStops. Yep. People it's it's a thing. Incredible stuff in dumpsters outside of GameStops. Uh, should note, not legal in all jurisdictions. So don't right. go. Um, the biggest thing that infuriated, uh, I remember the 3DS community. You know, like the the console, the handheld console community for Nintendo, were pissed off because at one point their policy was to throw out all cases for all 3DS games and DS games which is yep. why you see those tiny little cabinets filled with carts and no cases. And people who like complete in box are like, what the <laughs> fuck? Yep. And there were people who were hitting up those dumpsters and getting boxes full of, you know, cases and, and manuals and everything. And they were flipping on the people who were trying to make complete collections. Yeah. Like, holy shit. So GameStop, you dumb. I'm going to quit the farm and work there. <laughs> figure this out from the inside. Okay. Right. now is the time to open one yeah so, yeah, yeah yep uh so th- okay this next story is a goofy one and i just laughed when i saw it and had the best insult i think i've seen in a long time a japanese health worker was arrested because he threatened the developers at square enix by telling them and this is a colloquialism he told them to wash their necks because revenge was coming which is a callback to seppuku ritual suicide from the feudal era because people who knew they fucked up real bad and their feudal Lord was going to demand that they kill themselves and their head would be severed from their body would wash their necks for a clean cut. Holy shit, dude. 
that is some gangster shit. Yeah. So, so some, well, and the reason this came about, um, is because he was playing a gotcha game. We don't know which one, but, uh, he was definitely playing a gotcha game and he spent, let me see where it said here. Uh, he's 25 year old nursing care worker and $1,800, $1,800, 1800 us. He spent 200,000 yen on the game and didn't get the in-game item he wanted. So I sent the email out of revenge. And uh, apparently um, the last part of the threat is Kubi Retokeo, which literally means go wash your neck. I am just, I'm working that in now. (laughs) 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 Um, I will not update my power fucking pass. You better wash your neck, brother. I'll be back. I'll be back. (laughs) Oh, man. And oh yeah, uh, I guess that just speaks to the uh, the inherent issue with uh, gotcha games, with with the monetization scheme of a lot of Asian games. I mean, to be fair, Kurt, yeah. to be far, you uh, you do a weekly show, yep, where you stream <laughs> twice a week about what is essentially a gotcha game. Yeah, I've threatened Fox Next uh, a couple days ago. And that's some gotcha <laughs> goddamn reporting you got there. You gonna, come Thursday, are you gonna are you gonna tell them to go wash their necks? Go wash your necks. Um, uh, yeah, no, I'm eighteen hundred bucks. Really, it happens, man. Well, no. Here's the thing. What I find interesting is that's really not that much money for for people who are considered whales. For whales, yeah, no. Um, we, we don't know that he is a whale, though. That's true. He could be a guppy. Um, but an orc chop. Orca chop. Uh yeah. I mean I get I kinda get where the rage comes from. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> you don't want to threaten people. No, yeah. How about I mean, this? Quit the game. Oh, I'm sorry. Is this the first time that somebody in the game industry has ever been threatened? No, not I at mean, all. It's, it's, it's second nature now in, in gaming. Yeah. This was mostly just a quirky story. And the, the go wash your neck thing was really why I threw it in. I love it. Yeah. I love it too. It's like, I do want to, I do want to know what game it is. <laughs> um, it, well, it could put, it's Square Enix. So it could potentially be Final Fantasy Brave Exus, but it's unlikely that it necessarily is. Uh, it could also be, there's a Kingdom Hearts game that's a gotcha game. Yep. There's also the other Final Fantasy game. I forget the name. Um, uh, Exvius. You didn't you just say that? Or no, yeah, that's Brave Exvius. I'm sorry. Um, Dissidia. The Dissidia one. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, which, holy shit, I bought the, uh, the console uh, Dissidia Final Fantasy NT. That game was terrible. That was oh, no. hugely wasted $60. Um, go wash your neck. Yeah. Go wash your neck. Uh, one of the things that I would say about this though, is these tactics from these companies has to bite them in the ass because we all know people can go charge back and yeah, but we uh, also know people are lazy. Well, sometimes, well, if you're somebody who spent like, spent like 50 bucks on a gotcha, it's like, okay. Yeah. But like yeah. It, this kid, you know, this kid is going to go charge back that. 200,000 yen. Like, there's no way he's gonna like just eat two grand, especially after he got arrested. <laughs> he's gonna be like, well, he's gonna need that money for his bail. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. But like, yeah, I mean, it, you know, you know. Granted, uh, so 
you know, the one that I do the, the show on is uh, Marvel Strike Force. And we've complained the whole time about the economy in the game. And so I get it. Uh, you know, I, the, I think it is going to bite these companies in the ass. And I think we're, we're heading for kind of a, a correction. Uh, it's just a question of when that's going to happen. Uh, because this kind of economy, this kind of uh, monetization can't last forever. It just, it's, yeah, it just seems you, like a short money gain. You've been saying that for almost two years now. No, 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 no. I'm saying, but yes, I have. Yes, I have. But I'm, but I'm saying this isn't just these mobile games. This is like everybody. Starting to bleed into everything else. Yeah. yeah. And so I think it's going to, we're going to, it's going to probably get worse before it gets better. And then it's somebody's going to get bit really bad and come up with a really good creative way to monetize. And then everybody will go in that direction. So you know, it works though. Cosmetic microtransactions that don't matter. Yes. Because we played rocket league on the Sunday stream this past week. And <laughs> I know that three of us spent fucking $3 a piece on the MLB pack for yep. fucking pennants and hats. I don't even fucking like baseball. <laughs> I did it because we were all doing it. Like I, I was, I got, I realized I got wrapped up in fucking peer, not peer. You guys weren't even applying peer pressure. I just wanted to do what my buddies were doing and troll a little bit with the fucking Yankee stuff. Yep. I didn't even wear my shit. I bought it and didn't even put it on. <laughs> so I will tell you though, if that was, if, if like, if that pack was in Marvel strike force, for example, in whichever way they would have made that work, it would have been 15 to $20, not $3 oh, yeah. and $3 is an impulse buy and $3. I went, Oh wait, I can have a Red Sox flag. Cool. Three bucks. Yep. No problem. I literally bought that because I haven't bought anything from them in a long time. And I, I do like that game. Uh, and so the point is I want to support the developers, throw some money at them. So I was like, Oh, I'll buy this, you know, I'll, I'll fly this freak flag for a little while and we'll move on. But like, yeah, no, it's good games that have good compelling core gameplay that then offer you things that you don't necessarily need to enjoy the game, but you can enhance your experience with do yep. very well. League of legends does the same thing. Overwatch technically does the same thing. Whenever they do their anniversary comeback and they have, they, you know, they bring back all the stuff that's in the anniversary collection. They make bank every yep. time, even though they have a dwindling player base. Um, you know, it's like not locking actual content behind microtransactions leads a lot of these games to do quite well. Well, that's the key, right? I mean, it blizzard years ago and, and probably still does it, but just you could buy the mounts and it's just cosmetic. Yeah. Right. And, oh, and people love the bitch about those mounts, but yeah, well, well, but no, I was still, it was just cosmetic, right? They don't give you any speed boost or anything. Nope. Not, not compared to anything else. No. Right. Right. And so, they're like, not cheap either. They're twenty five dollars. Twenty five bucks still, right? Yeah. So, yep. so, but if you want to buy it, okay, cool. Yep. It's 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 like a badge of honor type thing, and, and or a badge of wallet, I, I guess. But well, okay, cool. What I will say is, those mounts are always much finally like they're they're always much higher quality graphically, true, and feature wise than everything else. Usually, you know what I mean. There's, they usually have a much higher poly count in the um, you know, the, uh, the graphics and everything, but as if you were paying a premium for something that looks premium. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and and yeah. it's always something that doesn't necessarily fit the theme 
of like the, the current expansion or whatever. It's always something that stands out. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's a premium, but it, I have a couple, I'm going to be honest. I usually buy them when they're on sale. Um, I bought one of them because it was a two player mount mm. and, and it was at the time I didn't have a, I didn't have the, uh, the Sandrake mount that lets you turn into something that somebody can hop on. And having a two player mount was a functional advantage at that time because it helped do a lot of stuff with your friends, like catch your buddies up on quests or whatever to have them fly around with you. But it wasn't the only two player mount in the game. No, it wasn't. There no, were it wasn't. Ways to obtain one. But the point was, I could, and it was there was a functional benefit, and so I was like, yeah, absolutely, sure, take my money, um, which is again, there's a free way to acquire it to acquire that functionality that is not difficult to get, but there was a really quick and easy way that just made it a little bit easier. Right. So yeah, no, it's we've kind of we've killed this topic so many times there's a reason why i'm not on that show anymore because this is all i talked about every week was like kill the bad microtransactions yep yep um let's see what else we have uh yeah okay so we're wrapping up here uh we like to call out i like to especially call out humble bundle when they have something cool and charles mcfall's not here tonight to enjoy this one so he's probably going to miss out but uh, Humble Bundle has a couple of game bundles up right now. They're okay. Um, by the time you hear this, the monthly bundle for April will be gone already, uh, which has some cool games in it. We already talked about it in the past, so if you didn't jump on it, you weren't going to. But there's a comic bundle up on Humble right now, and it will be up for a couple days when the show comes out, so hopefully you got there in time. It is the IDW Transformer series. And the, the top-level package is 15 bucks, and you can get a fucking boatload of Transformers comics. And I was kind of ho-hum about it, and I threw up the link in our host chat for the network, and Mr. Chris Wisdom chimed in and said, nope, the IDW stuff is solid. And then Mr. Frank Allen from Toy Power also chimed in and said, the IDW stuff is great. So I bought it, and I haven't read anything yet because I just bought it a couple hours ago. But basically, if you're into Transformers, particularly if you're into the classic G1 type stuff, apparently there's some good books in that bundle. And it's cheap. And uh, something that I, I noticed that I finally did this time that I don't normally bother to do is the beautiful thing about Humble Bundle is you can adjust the payout from your contribution. So there's a slider bar that's separate. In this case, it's separated between IDW, the comic publisher, the, the tip for Humble Bundle, and the charity that it goes for. Because every Humble Bundle benefits a charity. In this case, it was Hasbro's Children's Fund. I paid $15, so I slid the slider up to $10 for the charity, and I split the $5 between IDW and Humble, and I think that's a fair payout, especially since it's supposed to be for a charity. The reason I point that out, though, is the default is not quite a three-way split. It's kind of, it favors the publisher and Humble a little bit more. So definitely get in there and tweak the numbers to your satisfaction, but go check out Humble Bundle. There's always great deals up there. Um, the art looks great on the covers for this. I haven't been able to flip. I did flip through a couple of the samples for some of the issues and the page art looks great too. So if you're into transformers, go check that out. It's Philip Jones directly. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so reading, watching, playing Philip, Mr. Sleepyhead. What have you been reading, watching or playing lately? Uh, so like I said, at the end of last week's show, I got off that show and instantly started watching What We Do in the Shadows, the television show on FX. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed every fucking second of that program. Oh, good. 
with that said, uh, one of my favorite people, actors, comedians, Matt Berry. Uh, you may remember him from oh, such great things as the IT crowd as he screams, Father! <laughs> or Toast of London, where he has such great lines like, Yes! 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 Yes, I can hear you, Clint Fandango. Yes. Um, no, it was great. Um, it takes place in America, so don't expect to see anybody from the movie um, because it's they're fucking on you know upside down Tankard Land. You know, it's nowhere near Long Island. Um, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed every minute of it. So I'm very excited to watch episode two tonight when I get off with these assholes. Um, you know, I could be watching. Uh, you know, the Umbrella Academy. But I've just been rewatching the IT crowd. Because <laughs> <laughs> I need it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really that. And um, I've, I've told myself that I'm going to finish a book that I started. So a couple months ago, I got Brian Posehn's Forever Nerdy. I still haven't finished it, but I have put some hard dents into it this week. And uh, I hope to have this finished by the end of the, the week and, and tell you that I like it by next show. It's been great. Um, if you're a fan of his shitty dick fart joke comedy, I would definitely look at it or at least try to pick it up from the library because I've had a lot of fun with it. I think that's it. Uh, and uh, I'll talk about streaming at the end. Kurt. Let's see. Uh, I binged the Trailer Park Boys animated series mm. on Netflix, which... Um, was far funnier than it had a right to be. Uh, I jumped back into Letterkenny again because, yeah. God damn it, I needed some more Letterkenny. Um, and playing, I've been uh, pitter patter, pitter patter. Uh, playing, I've been I've been actually playing more uh, Octopath. Just started Chapter Two, uh, the Chapter Two storylines in Octopath, and soundly got my ass handed to me at the first boss because I wasn't ready. Um, because you jump from needing level 12 characters to level 22 characters. And yeah, wasn't you quite there. Find some in the woods. You got to kill some boars. That's what I got to do. Got to kill some no, boars. You don't get to tell people that you need to grind in an RPG. <laughs> you got to kill, you got to go into the woods and kill some boars. Right. So uh, I'm still loving that game though. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Why? Because I just skip and just walk around every <laughs> opportunity because i don't feel like fighting them Dennis assures me that your problem with uh, mario rpgs that you don't grind enough so i hit every enemy i come across it's not like it's random encounters like kurt's octopath you know every enemy that's there i, I try to beat mm-hmm. so dennis is dumb and let's not talk about him <laughs> uh are you all set there kurt yep uh, as for myself, um, I've been watching a little bit of Letterkenny because I, I chip away at that here and there. Uh, I watched the John Mulaney episode of SNL from a couple of weeks ago. That was pretty solid. Um, Mulaney's always great when he goes back, and uh, th- he manages to get them. So one of the funny running stories about that is apparently he convinces them to do skits that got rejected back when he wrote for the show. <laughs> so, like, ideas that, like, he had – you know, 10 years ago, get recycled. And um, last year when he hosted, they did this whole Les Mis. Uh, <laughs> Pete Davidson orders lobster in a diner and Mulaney's the waiter. And he's like, what? N- nobody orders the seafood in a diner. It's on there as a joke. 
and they proceed to have this whole thing where they pull out the lobster and it's um uh keenan in a dressed up lobster suit and he does this whole lay miz song and they do like the fight song and everything and it's like so over the top and ridiculous and they did something comparable this time where uh pete davidson asks to use the bathroom in a bodega <laughs> and it's just like what and it's the foulest most disgusting bathroom and they do a musical again and it's just the funniest thing um speaking of musicals i mentioned i think two weeks ago or last week i finally got into hamilton and i've gone down the rabbit hole of that i listen to it a lot still i'm loving it i'm watching videos on youtube i'm watching videos about people breaking down thematic elements and motifs and like all this stuff and i'm like nerding out hardcore um, so I've been digging that, uh, one of the, this is more of a listen thing, but you can watch it. Um, a band I haven't listened to a lot for a very long time. Rammstein released a very controversial video this past week. How unusual called heard about this called Deutschland about Germany. Uh, they, it's a they polka. Have, <laughs> no, uh, it's a nine minute cinematic video that has, like over 50 million views already it's only been out like a week i actually looked at the song on spotify uh earlier let me see if i still have it up here real quick oh yeah yeah it's about dating tanks over in uh, <laughs> japan so you know their their most popular songs on spotify uh do host their first big single and uh, their most widely known song has 129 million listens that song's been out for 20 years uh, Deutschland has over 6 million listens already. It's been out for a week. Yeah. Uh, it's a very interesting video. It's a bit controversial. It tackles the bloody history uh, of Germany and uh, a lot of historical references and stuff. And the bands like struggle to between both being in love with their native, you know, their native country, but also how they can't necessarily reconcile with some of the bloody past. And I found that really relevant to me right now because I've been into Hamilton and Hamilton deals with some of our ugly past and also looks at some, some positives of our past as well. And so it's, it's been a kind of a reflective thing and I'm a history nerd. So it was all very, very interesting to me. Uh, video game wise, I, my roommate bought risk of rain two, which came out out of nowhere onto steam like nobody knew it was coming early access and they did for the first day they did a buy one get one free deal so if you bought risk of rain 2 on day one you got an extra copy for a friend fucking epic games bullshit oh no that was steam (laughs) that's smart business move which we probably would have played on Sunday stream if I had noticed it about 12 hours earlier when it was still going on. Uh, but it's a $20 game and it is procedurally generated levels that uh, kind of like risk of rain one, except it's a 3d shooter now a 3d hmm. shooter slash like it has melee characters and stuff too, but it's a roguelike. Um, it's really cool. It's a huge jump from what the first game was technology wise and capability wise and the only issue i'm having with it is i'm getting some lag spikes when i play it like i get hangs like hang-ups uh and it's since it's such a kind of chaotic game that's not the best thing and i got to the first boss today and got summarily wrecked by that boss like i was like i was whooping all the the little trash's ass i was like killing all the dudes with the first character and i got to this boss and the boss is like oh my hits hit you for a third of your health bar and now you're dead. 
So that was an interesting thing. That's about where I'm at. So yeah, folks, uh, if you have not gone over to giantsizeteamup.com and checked out any of our other shows, including the show that Kurt's going to plug in just a moment, please, please do. GiantSizeTeamUp.com has all of our different shows on there. Uh, eventually, someday, we'll update it to have all of the Twitch streams of the various people on the network as well. Uh, that's probably something we should have done like two months ago when we all got super serious about streaming. But I just thought of it now, so we'll do that someday. But you could just go over to twitch.tv slash media, mm-hmm. and down below the video is a list of every host that has a Twitch stream and a link to it. Because mm-hmm. Philip did his work his homework and did a good job. And I got all the credit for it from Charles. <laughs> uh, you can also go to patreon.com slash breaking the panel and throw some bones our way. We would really appreciate you if you did that. Uh, you know, that way you get access to this live video feed that goes out for just patrons. You get to see some pre-show, you get to see some mid-show break, you get to see Philip nude. Mm, no, no, Philip. No, no, <laughs> No, <laughs> the whiteness—it's blinding he's me. So white for a farmer, he's so pale. Kurt, I don't even have my studio lights on. <laughs> where can people find you, buddy? Uh, on Twitch, FTH Beyond uh, on on Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, otherwise, I'm all over the place. So just follow me on Twitter at vo by Kurt. And are you still streaming on your Twitch channel? I am. I am streaming on the Kurtzville channel as well and GSTU Media on Sunday nights. Mm-hmm. And we're, you know, watch Love uh, on Saturdays. Watch Love on Saturdays. So, yeah, uh, yeah. VO it's by Kurt on Twitter is going to be easier. <laughs> uh, Philip? Oh, boy. Uh, you can find me uh, Sunday nights at GSTU Media. I've changed my streaming schedule and I'm taking back my Monday nights with me and my wife. Uh, we were doing a dual stream, but that has now been canceled because we would rather hang out with each other alone. Uh, but I am Tuesday. Yeah, that's another stream. I'll announce that on a different Reddit page. Second baby. Our, 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 anyway. Um, <laughs> Hashtag second baby. <laughs> And then uh, my Tuesday streams are uh, still still on and strong. It's 10 a.m. East Coast to about 3 p.m. We, uh, we're about to finish the Super Mario RPGs. And once that is completed, I might do a History of Zelda playthrough every game from start to finish. Kick ass. Still up in the air, but um, it's, it's leaning towards that way right now. Even Philip CDI? Uh, I would have to find it and somehow... Which isn't going to be hard, but yeah. Oof. Yeah, yeah, we might. Um, and then uh, it's Imaginary Nomad. Is <laughs> Yeah, I didn't even give the fucking channel <laughs> IP. It's uh, twitch.tv slash Imaginary Nomad, just like everything else in my life. What about you, Paul? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SoapboxGSTU. You can find me on Twitch at SoapboxGSTU. Every Monday I stream Minecraft with Nicole0991, who is our resident mod on most of the shows and channels of the GSTU. Uh, she's been a little busy with school lately, so she might have missed a couple streams. Fair warning. Uh, we stream every Monday morning. Uh, Eastern time, we do Minecraft. It's fun. That will not be the case for about two weeks very soon. Uh, this next week will be our last show for 
a two-week break as she comes to visit over here in the States. Uh, and we will probably be doing some in-person duo streams while she's here. Yeah, she you will. Exciting announcements for that. Yeah, that'll be going up <laughs> on a similar subreddit. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I know. I know what those subreddits are. Uh, yeah, uh, no. NerdyGirlCrying.com. Uh, yeah. That'll be happening. Uh, That's what, what Philip said. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so... Hold I, on. <laughs> what? Did you hear me talk about Nerdy Girls <laughs> Crying.com? <laughs> you can also catch me Sunday nights over at GSP Media with these dumb dicks doing the thing that we do every Sunday evening. Uh, we need to find a new game this week, boys. Gotta get some W's up, boys. Gotta get some W's up, boys. Yep. But yeah, so uh, that's where you can find me. And you can find Charles McFall doing whatever he does when he's not here for the show. Because fuck that guy. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Same bat time, same Joker channel. Joker.